Hello and uh, welcome back to the Rainbow Chaser. Tales, colorful tales from a struggling actor. I'm Terry Power and today I'm continuing to read uh, from the section The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, uh, part two. It wasn't long before Hollywood came calling. An announcement in the Cleveland Plain Dealer made its way to my mother's hands that a team of casting directors was auditioning young girls across the country for the role of Annie. A film version of the musical was being made starring Carol Burnett as Miss Hannigan and Albert Finney as Daddy Warbucks. The casting crew trolled every major city looking for a breakout star for their film and in the end auditioned over 9,000 10-year-old girls for the title role. I, of course, was one of those little girls. As soon as I heard about the audition, I begged my mother to take me. In my mind, it was fate. I was meant to star in the film, and this is what I had been preparing for alone in my room day after day. Reluctantly, because she was afraid of any attention that might be shown on her, my mother agreed, and we drove to the Cleveland Convention Center on a blizzardy winter's day. I was wearing the sailor dress I had picked out for the wedding and had on white tights and shiny black patent leathered shoes. My hair was cut in a short Dorothy Hamill style which was all the rage at the time. So I looked similar to the girl playing Annie in the Broadway tour. It was clear that I was emulating perceived characteristics of the role that were already ingrained in the public's mind. I knew instinctively I would get noticed. And I needed to stand out. When we arrived at the convention center, it was packed with girls and their moms. There was a long line just to register. My mother signed me up for the audition, giving the necessary permissions to participate, and I was handed a sticky tag to wear that had a number on it. Number 349. I didn't let the number of girls intimidate or discourage me. I proudly pasted the number to my dress over my heart and found my place in line between girls numbered, numbered 348 and 350. As we stood in the long line that snaked around the lobby of the convention center, girls were being called in groups by numbers. Numbers 225 to 300, please step forward came the command from a brunette casting assistant with long locks and a frustrated grin. Some of the girls had been seated on the floor in their mother's laps, and as soon as they were called, they snapped to attention. One of them burst into tears. She was only about seven years old, and the pressure of the day was clearly too much for her. Her mother whispered something to the assistant, and they left the building. The group being called was full of girls of different heights and ages. Some were dancers, some singers, but nearly all of them looked petrified. 
It was a difficult experience for a young person. Part of the anxiety was derived from the process that unfolded after our group was lined up and taken into the interior belly of the building. We couldn't see what was happening in full, but we watched as the girls were lined up, counted off by their numbers, separated from their parents, almost exclusively mothers, and then escorted by the casting team through a large set of double doors. The doors closed behind the last girl in the line, and then all we could hear was a piano playing The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, over and over again ad nauseum. After what felt like an hour, the doors opened again and the auditionees flooded in the lobby in sobs of tears as they rushed into the arms of their loved ones waiting patiently. I could hear them speaking to their mothers about the experience. I didn't get to dance, cried one. I forgot the words, said another as she wiped her eyes with her dress sleeve. Almost all the girls reported disappointing scenarios and were visibly distraught. Then the brunette casting assistant returned to the lobby holding a clipboard in her hand. She announced to everyone, listen up, if I call your child's number, go to the table to the far right. Debbie will give you callback details. With this news, a hush came over the lobby. The atmosphere completely changed in an instant. Instead of tears and complaints, the breeze of hope spread through the building. All the girls in that group and their mothers held a collective breath as numbers were called. About 75 girls had just auditioned and only five numbers were selected. I didn't understand odds or percentages at that age, but instinctively, I knew the odds were against us all. I didn't let the moment or the numbers intimidate me. I just believed I would do well. After all, I was Annie. Once the lobby started to empty as the previous auditioners left the building, my group was called to line up. Standing in front of me was an older girl of about 14. She was wearing a leotard, tights, a skirt, and had ballet shoes on her feet. She was tall and lean, and she kept repeating to her mother that she didn't want to do the audition. Her mother suddenly yelled at her, Just go in there, and when they ask you to sing, rip off the skirt and dance! I was shocked at how pushy this woman was to her daughter. I had never been around a stage mom before, and this woman was the epitome of a momager. She even added, don't come back out here until you've danced for them. I mean it. And I could feel the force of her threat, so much so that I can still recall it 40 years later. I looked at my mother, standing shyly holding my hand next to me, and wondered what demands she would make of me. She spotted me staring at her with questioning eyes, leaned down and whispered, No way could I do it. Good luck. The combination of the suspense and tension of that moment and her words made me laugh out loud. I corrected her. You're supposed to say break a leg, 
not good luck. She smiled at me and then added, break both of them. My group was led through the double doors and into a large open space. It was an old ballroom and had a few chandeliers hanging from the ceiling. We all marched around the room and formed a giant circle along the outside walls. In the center was a stuffed dog made to look like Sandy, Annie's dog from the musical. In the far north corner of the space was a grand piano with an older woman seated on the bench with the sheet music of the musical in front of her. A sprightly, slightly balding man with a wide smile and dimples stood near the stuffed dog and spoke on a wireless microphone. I had never seen such a gadget before. Once the door closed and we settled after forming our circle, he introduced himself. His name was Howard and explained the audition process. Catherine will play The Sun Will Come Up Tomorrow on the piano and I will be walking around and handing you the microphone. When you get it, you will sing with the piano as best you can until I collect it back from you. If you don't want to look at anyone, you can close your eyes and sing to Sandy. He then gestured to the dog in the center and some of the girls giggled. Make sure that we can see your number as we go around the room. Break a leg. Joining him in the center of the circle was a small team of casting directors. The brunette was amongst them. They had a quick huddle, pointing to their clipboards and then stepped behind Howard, still holding the microphone. He gave a quick nod to Catherine and she started to play over and over again, as though my vinyl record had skipped and restarted. Tomorrow, 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 the sun will come out tomorrow, the sun will come out tomorrow, played and played. It was monotonous, and even though I loved the song and musical with tremendous passion, I started to hate that song. Of all the songs in the production, why this one, I thought. Of course, it made sense. Most of the girls at the audition only knew this key song, and if they didn't, they did by the end of the audition. Howard gave everyone a chance to sing it through together as a warm-up. And then he and his team walked around the circle, handing the microphone to any of the auditionees that would receive it. That was the biggest shocker to me. Most of the girls in the circle didn't take the microphone. Behind closed doors and without their momagers pushing them or holding their hands for moral support, the girls froze. Some of them shook their heads no, refusing to hold the microphone, unable to even speak. Others burst into tears and sat in small balls, holding their knees to their chests on the floor. Of the ones that did sing, they often could barely be heard, even with the added amplification. Squeaky, mouse-like voices repeatedly sang through the speakers and hovered in the space. Every now and again, a trained young singer would boldly take the microphone, and before they even opened their mouth and took a breath to start, we knew they were going to have the chops. These were the girls that the casting team took note of, 
recording their assigned numbers on the clipboards, whispering thoughts to one another. By the time the team came around to me in the circle, I had a clear idea of what I needed to do. I grabbed Howard's microphone and started to belt the bars of the song in time with the piano. Within seconds, Howard snapped the device back from me, and although this was surprising, I didn't let it phase me and continued to sing. Howard chuckled and said to me, Wow! You've got some lungs, kid. You know how to project. I didn't know what he meant, and I couldn't read if that was a good or bad thing. But then he asked me, what's your name? I said, Terry Power, and he repeated it, directing his comment at the team. Terry Power, sounds like a star. Is that your real name, he joked. I was too young to interpret the nuances of the moment and with a serious tone answered, yes. The team continued on and because I didn't see them write down my number on their clipboards, I almost started to cry like the others. I panicked thinking that I had completely blown the audition, that I must have sounded awful for Howard to have snatched the microphone away from me like that. The crushing sense of losing a role, of being rejected, of watching your dreams slip away in front of you in seconds was far too much for me to handle. Far too much pressure for any child. And that is what weighed on me in that moment as I waited and watched the rest of the girls audition. Finally, the torture was coming to a close as the last girl sang in a tiny voice into the microphone. The song was nearing the very end before it could be repeated again for the hundredth time. Howard took back the microphone from the last girl and called out, Terry Power! I snapped to attention like a foot soldier in a battlefield. Close out the song! And I stepped forward took a deep breath, and belted the last few bars of tomorrow. I held the last note for ages as my heart swelled, knowing that I was not a number, but a name in that audition room. <laughs>